it's important for us to remind ourselves daily how much we need the Lord. I think a lot of times we get saved and maybe our family gets saved and we sometimes feel as though maybe like we don't need God as much as we used to. I'm going to tell you something. I and you and everybody else who has been born again need Him just as much today as the day you got saved. And uh, so we need to voice our desperation for Him, man, and stay humble, realizing that without Him we are nothing. But with Him we can do all things. And so, uh, man, we need Him. I need Him individually in my life. You need him individually in your life. We need him collectively as a church body so that uh, we might be all that he wants us to be and so that we might please him in everything that we do. We need his power. We need his presence. We need his truth from his word so that our lives might be impacted for the kingdom of God. Take your Bibles, please. Turn them with me to James chapter number one. My purpose this evening is to finish up what we started this morning. I'm still preaching to you on the power of the gospel. And we found out this morning that not only have we been grafted into God's tree of faith, we've been born into God's family by His grace. If you believe that, say amen this evening. And when we were born into the family of God, the Bible says that we became um, as uh, babes in Christ. We're newborn babes in Jesus. And so uh, we said that that was the beginning of a process that we are to become more and more and more like Jesus, a process that will end when we are with Him in heaven, when the Bible says we will be just like He is. So we are grafted in by grace uh, because of the truth of the message of the gospel, but we're, we also grow in grace because of the message of the gospel as we apply God's truth to our lives. And so um, today we're talking about growing in grace and how we grow in grace. And we said this morning there are at least three ways that we know we can grow in the grace of God. Number one, we grow in grace by the teaching of God's Word. Now, I cannot stress to you tonight the importance of, uh, of God's Word in your life as a believer. If you want to be who, what God wants you to be, if you want to grow to become like the Lord Jesus Christ... You'll never do that apart from the truth of what God's Word says uh, to you and to me. And so it's vitally important for our growth. I don't know about you, as a believer, I want to be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. I want to be more compassionate to a lost and dying world today than I was yesterday. I want to be walking by truth more so tomorrow than I am today. But I realize this is a growing process um, that happens for us even daily. It's the process of sanctification where we're being set apart and used by God for His purposes. And so folks, we need God's Word. It's vitally important that we take time to spend time in God's Word. That's why it's so important that you're under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. And I'm thankful that you're, you're here this morning and I'm glad you're here tonight. Praise God, I hope you come back Wednesday night. That's all well and good. But if all you're getting uh, of the Word of God is what you get inside the four walls of a church building, then you're missing out on so much more of what God has for you. I want to encourage you to daily take time to spend time in God's precious Word. And I can promise you it's going to make a difference in your life. I remember when I was um, in high school, me and my wife are high school sweethearts. And uh, she would always do something that she still does from time to time. She would write me a love letter and fold it up real nice and pretty. And then she would take her uh, some red lipstick and put on her lips. And she'd kiss that love letter. 
and then take some perfume and she'd spray it on that paper. Then she'd take that love letter that she'd folded up real nice and neat and slide it into the crack that was in my locker so that when I would come at the end of the day to get my books to go home, the first thing that would hit me when I opened up that locker door was that love letter and that fragrance of that perfume. And I knew somebody who loved me had wrote me a letter. And so, folks, I want to tell you something. I could not wait to tear that letter open and see what she had to say uh, to me. And so now I want you to know, that's really the same thing God has done for us with his word, with the Bible. Someone who loves us with an unconditional, everlasting love has written you a message. He's written you a letter. He shared with you who he himself is, who we ourselves are, and how we can know him. He's told us how we are to live life. And how many of you know, you'll never know how to live life until you know and learn from the creator of life. Can you say amen to that? And so God has given us instruction and direction straight from his message as to what a godly life looks like. We will never ever grow in, our, in, in grace until we take time to spend time in the precious word of God. And I promise you, if you'll eat your meals like we talked about this morning, if you'll memorize, examine, apply, listen, and study the Word of God, you will become what God wants you to be, uh, which is more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8.29 says that we are to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus. That is our destiny as the people of God. And that process began at the moment we were born again, but we are now to grow in the grace of God. And that happens through the teaching of the Word of God. I heard a story one time about an old lumberjack. And he walked into a logging company and spoke with the foreman, and he said, Sir, I need a job. And he said, Mister, I hate to tell you, but I can't hire you. And the man said, Why not? I've, I've done this work for years. I know what I'm doing. I, I can swing an axe. And he said, Well, sir, you're just too old. I can't hire you. He said, uh, please, mister, I need a job. I'll do anything. Put me at the lowest level with the lowest pay. I need to go to work. And he said, I I've done, and the foreman told him, he said, I've done this work for a long time. And I can tell by looking at you, you're too slow. You're too feeble. You're too weak. You're just too old to go out and chop trees down every day. And the man said, well, let me, let me, uh, give me a test. Let me prove to you that I can do the work. And he said, let's go outside and see if I can chop a tree down. And the foreman agreed, so they walked outside. And the man took his big heavy axe and walked up to the first tree he saw. And man, he starts chopping on that thing, swinging that axe, and chopped the tree down in record time. And the foreman was just amazed. He couldn't believe it. He said, man, where in the world did you swing, learn to swing a heavy axe like that? He said, have you ever heard of the great Sahara Forest? He said, no, I haven't. I've heard of the great Sahara Desert. He said, well, I guess that's what they call it now. <laughs> you see, that lumberjack had been around. It wasn't his first rodeo. You could learn something from people who've been around a little bit. Can you say amen? Let me tell you something about God. God's been around. How many of you know he was here when the world began? He stood on nothing and created everything. And you can learn something from the Lord, something that will certainly be beneficial to you growing in the grace of God when you take time to spend time in the message, the love letter that he's written to you. He's been around. He knows this stuff. He can share with you exactly what you need to make the most God-honoring decisions in your life. He can teach you what it means to be a godly husband and a godly father, a godly wife and a godly mama. He can teach you what it means to be a good church member, a faithful church member that's walking with the Lord and standing for truth. He can teach you what it means to be a good employee, to work as you're working under the Lord. He can teach you about every area of your life, and it's found right here in his message, his love letter to you. 
You grow in grace by the teaching of the Word of God. But let me tell you how much you grow in grace. Uh, I told you this morning we was going to look at two other things tonight, and we are. Uh, you also grow in grace, and I grow in grace by the testing of your faith. The testing of your faith. And that's what we find here in James chapter number 1. Let's look at James chapter 1, starting with verse number 1. And we're going to be looking just at four verses this evening. Look what it says. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. The brethren, he says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or trials, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. I'm so thankful that, Lord, by your grace we've been saved. I'm thankful that by your grace we've been grafted in. It's by your grace we grow in you to become more and more and more like Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing this work in our lives. Lord, I'm thankful that you've done a work in me that's on the inside, that's made a difference on the outside. And I pray that you continue to do that work, not only in me, but in all of us. Lord, I'm praying that you show us tonight truly what it means to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Oh, Holy Spirit, have your way and will in this place. I can do nothing without you. So I'm asking that you move me behind the cross, completely out of the way, and use me tonight, Lord, to do your work among your people. Speak your truth to me, and Lord, I pray that you speak your truth through me directly to your people. God, be with me in this time of presentation as you've been with me. In my time of preparation, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Listen, the first thing that I want you to see about the testing of your faith is the fact of the testing. He says in verse number one, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ of the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into temptation or into trials. The word temptation there actually means trials. Now, he's certainly going to talk about uh, temptations a little later on, but he's actually talking about that which tries us in our faith as believers. He says, count it all joy when you fall into trials. Now, let me say something to you folks. He doesn't say if you fall into trials. He says when you fall into trials. How many of you know we all face trials? Uh, if you are a part of the human race, you're going to face trials. If you're a, and there's, when you boil it all down to the, uh, I guess the, the lowest common denominator, there's only two types of people in this world. And J. Vernon McGee says it best. He says it's, it's the saints and the ain'ts. Either you're a saint of God, those who've been born again into God's family by grace through faith, or you ain't. Or you've never trusted in Jesus. You're a saint or you ain't. And so, listen, no matter what group you find yourself in, we're all going to suffer trials. The saints and the ain'ts. Can you say amen? Each and every one of us. The only difference is, for the child of God, when we suffer trials, we have the power of God that helps us through. The, the, the Christian walk, the Christian life, again, it's not about the absence of trials and tests that we face, problems in our lives. It's not about the absence of problems, but it, listen, it is about the addition of God's power to help us through whatever problem we face. So we need to see, he doesn't say, if you enter times of testing, times of trial, but when you enter times of testing, trial, times of trial. So uh, testing and trials in the life of a believer, it's a fact of life. 
The fact of trials. I want you to see that there. Uh, he certainly tells it says that each and every one of us are going to go through it. But now listen, we need to go through the trial that we face with the right mindset. With the right mindset. You've got to be thinking right so you can act right. I want you to know that the child of God should never have a victim mentality. I'm going to say that again. The child of God should never have a victim mentality. You are not defeated as a child of God. You are more than a conqueror through Him that loves you. You need to understand that there's people all throughout the Word of God that turned trial into triumph. There's people all throughout the Word of God who turned bad times into good times by the power of God. Your outlook determines the outcome, listen, and your attitude determines your action. Through the Bible, there are people who uh, uh, turned defeat into victory and trial into triumph. Instead of being victims, they became victors. Listen to what Dr. Warren Wiersbe said. The result of this victory is spiritual maturity. It's through the victory that you face and the trials that you enter into and come out of that you spiritually mature like no other time in your life. I'm telling you, test and trying of your faith is more precious than gold, according to Peter. According to uh, uh, James, he says you should count it all joy when your faith is tested. Why? Because the testing of your faith is beneficial to you as a believer. It helps you to learn to trust the Lord in a way like you'd never trust Him before. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. When you trust the Lord, when you truly follow hard after Him, when you realize, listen, He's all you need, when you realize He is enough, when you realize He is able, when you realize, listen, He'll never leave you nor forsake you, no matter how bad it gets, when you begin to realize all of that, then you'll grow like never before to become more like Jesus. But we never see those things until we're put in, in times of testing, in times of trial. So you've got to have the right outlook to have the right outcome. Testing for if your faith as a believer is a fact of life. It's going to happen. It's not if it happens, but when it happens. But not only do I want you to see the fact of the testing, but I also want you to see the form of testing. There's two different forms of testing that's brought up here in James chapter number one. First of all, he talks about the trials that are sent by God. I think that's what he's talking about there um, in verse number two. Um, Brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials. or The, the Bible says temptation, they're actually meaning trial. I think he's talking about uh, those times that God allows trials into your life. Those times of testing that God allows you to go through so that you can grow in grace. Those times uh, of, of trial is described by Peter in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 12. Let's look over there just a moment. First Peter chapter 4 verse 12 says, Beloved... Now again here, when he says the beloved, who's he talking to? He's talking to the church, the blood bought, the born again, those who've placed their faith in Jesus. He's talking to the Christian. He says, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. I, I love how he uses that word fiery trial. How many know fire is used to test metal? 
to prove metal. And so I think the picture that he's painting here is just like uh, a, a, a blacksmith would use fire to test the purity of metal. Sometimes God uses that fiery trial in your life to test the purity of your faith. To test really how, how sold out you are to him. He says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Verse 13. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. So James and Peter says that we are to rejoice in the trials, the testing of our faith. Again, because it's beneficial to us. Have the right mindset. Have the right outlook so you can have the right outcome. Like Dr. Warren Wiersbe told us, we need to realize testing is not for our harm, but for our help. God uses it um, to help us grow in grace. God uses these fiery trials as a refiner's fire. Malachi chapter number 3 and verse number 3. Brother, if you will, please put that on the screen for me. I want to share with you what the Bible says right here. Man, it's, it's very powerful, and it goes along with... The same wording that, that Peter uses and also that James uses. Malachi chapter 3, verse number 3. Watch this. <clears throat> the Bible here, speaking of God himself, says that he shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Everybody see that? So the Bible says that God deals with his people as a goldsmith or a silversmith would deal with the gold or silver. Now how do they do that? To, to, to know really what he's saying here, you've got to know a little bit about goldsmithing or silversmithing. Let me tell you what the goldsmith or the silversmith will do. They'll take the gold or the silver in uh, the solid form and they'll put it in what's called a crucible. And then they'll take that crucible and put it over a flame and let that get hot. Hot enough to melt the gold or the silver so that it's no longer in, in, in solid form but it turns into a liquid form being melted over the heat. And what they'll do, they'll take uh, what's called a dross. Uh, which is kind of like a, a ladle that they would skim off the top. And that silver and gold would start bubbling. <clears throat> and as that silver and gold bubbles because of the fire that's underneath it, the impurities that's in the silver and the impurity that's in the gold would bubble up to the surface. And then the refiner would take his dross and skim off the top, skim off all the impurities and dump it out. And then it'll bubble some more as the heat is put to it. And then the impurities will bubble up to the top. And he'll take that dross and he'll skim off the top and dump it out. And he'll do that over and over and over and over again. Keep putting that heat under there so that those impurities flow to the top. And then guess what he does? He knows that that silver or gold is ready to use. It's ready to be worked with when he can look over into that crucible, into that melting pot, and see his reflection in the liquid. And that's the same thing God does with us. That's it. He causes, or at least allows, these times of testing, these times of trial, to enter our life. So that, listen to me now, we might grow in grace and become more like himself. Become more like his son Jesus. And when he looks over and sees his reflection in you,
He knows that you can be used in a way that's pleasing unto Him. Amen? God allows certain times of testing. And let me tell you something. I don't know about you, but in my life, a lot of times when I go through those times of trial, those times of testing, I automatically say, oh, Lord, what have I done wrong? It's not that you've done anything wrong. A lot of times it's not that I've done anything wrong. No, I know. I've, I've preached to you before, and I still believe it to be true, that God does send storms of direction into our lives that shows us the way to go, but he also sends storms of correction into our lives. There's no doubt about that. But just because you're going through a test or a trial does not mean you've sinned in some great way. It may mean that God just wants to grow you in a way that's only possible through testing and trial. So you've got to have that right mindset. Testing is a fact of life for a believer, but there are forms of testing. One of those forms is when God sends the test to make us more like himself. The other form of testing is when Satan himself tempts us. God sends the testing. God sends the trial, or at least allows it from time to time in our lives. But let me tell you something else. Satan sends the temptation. Now we know God doesn't tempt us to do evil. Amen? Let me tell you how we know that. Watch. James 1, verse number 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for he cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted, tempteth he any man. God does not want to cause you to sin. God wants to cause you to stand. God does not want to cause you to stumble. He wants to cause you to stand, and that's what the trial does. The trial causes you to stand. The temptation causes you to stumble. Listen to me now. The trial brings about maturity. The temptation brings about misery when you fall into it. One is sent by God. One is sent by our enemy, our adversary. Trials are allowed by God so that we might realize a lot of times just how much we need Him. <laughs> I believe that with everything in me. See, a lot of times it's not that we're not strong enough, it's that we're not weak enough. Somebody said that to me one time, man, and that hit me like a ton of bricks. That's right. A lot of times we've got to realize our weakness. A lot of times we've got to realize our desperate need for the Lord. So it's not a lot of times that we're not strong. It's that we're not weak enough. We're not relying upon him enough. And I think a lot of times God sends those trials so that we must rely upon him. But it helps us to stand for him in the end. Trials help us to stand. Temptation helps us to stumble. Testing is a fact of life. Testing comes in different forms. The Bible says there in James chapter number 1 and verse number 2 that you fall into diverse temptations. What's that mean? All different kinds. All different kinds of difficulty enters our life. Now, my difficulties may not match your difficulties. And your difficulties don't match mine. But we've all got difficulties. I, I say it like this a lot. We've all got stuff. Life's full of stuff. 
Sometimes it can be physical. Sometimes it can be emotional. Sometimes it can be relational. Sometimes it can be financial. I mean, it can be at your, at your workplace. It can be in your home. It, it can be at, uh, at church. There's all kinds of stuff we face on all different levels in all different places. There's diverse trials in different forms that come into our lives. So the testing of our faith is a fact. It comes in many different forms, trials and temptations, different stuff in our lives. But I also want you to see the fruition of the testing. What do I mean by that? What's the end result? What's the end result of the testing that happens, that God allows in our lives as believers? Watch. James chapter 1, verse number 4. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. God, through testing and trials of our faith, He's teaching us to keep on keeping on. He's teaching us to have endurance. He's teaching us to have patience so that when the tough gets going, we keep on going. Or the tough come, the tough times come, we keep on going. He's teaching us perseverance. Now, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, let's look over there. Look at what Paul says concerning that which tries us. I like this. Romans 5 and 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. Isn't that amazing? There's a process here that's taking place. There's growth that's happening through testing and trial. Just like James says, when patience has her perfect work, you'll be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I like that. I don't know but of one other man that ever walked the earth there's only one man that ever walked the earth that was perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You know who that is, don't you? So what's James telling us? It's through the trying and testing of our faith that we're becoming more like Jesus. Perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So if you're going through the times of testing, if you're going through times of trial, hang in there. God is showing you something in this time like he couldn't show you in any other way. He's making you more like Jesus. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Keep serving. Listen, when the tough times come, God remains. He never leaves nor forsakes you. He's going to bring you through. These trials help us to learn to stand like nothing else. So we grow in our faith. We grow in grace by the teaching of the Word of God. We grow in grace by the testing of our faith. Let me give you the third one very quickly. We grow in grace by the testimony that's ours. Take your Bibles and let's look at one verse. Romans chapter 12, very familiar verse of Scripture. Let's look down. Verse number 11. The Bible here is speaking of the people of faith. 
in the end time says, and they overcame him or they overcame the enemy, our adversary, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto the death. What does it mean to have a testimony? Well, to, to, be, to be able to have a testimony means that you can tell someone else about what Jesus has done for you. Amen? And you know you should do that. You know, we all need to continually testify as to what Christ has done for us. Some of the most effective witnesses I've ever been around are just people who tell others what Christ has done for them. Now listen to me. When you start learning to share what Christ has done in your life, that helps you to grow and helps others to grow as well. Not, not only your salvation experience, but by how God, like we talked about this morning, how God has been your Jehovah Rapha, your healer. How God has been your Jehovah Jireh, your provider. How God has been your, your Jehovah Shammah, your, com, your companion. How God has been your Jehovah Shalom, your peace. How Je God has been your Jehovah Sidkenu, your righteousness. When you start telling others about how God has fulfilled His promise to you with Himself, Not only does that help you to grow in sharing with others, that helps everybody else to grow when they realize, well, if God can do it for them, He can do it for me. You know what I love? I love spending time with people of God. I love that. I enjoy that. If you ever want to just get together and talk about Scripture and talk about what God's done in your life, call me up. We'll get together and do that. I'd love to do that. I get up early in the morning and do stuff like that. I enjoy it. Because it strengthens me. It encourages me. And maybe I can strengthen and encourage you as I testify to the goodness of God in my life. I believe God wants us to grow in grace. I know we can do that by the teaching of the Word of God, the testing of our faith, and the testimony that is ours. You keep sharing what Jesus has done for you. It'll help you grow. It'll help others grow. Everybody stand together tonight.